For years now, we've heard strident calls to break up big tech. These calls have met with no real opposition from the threatened corporations. But then in recent weeks came a series of unusually bold tweets from Amazon.com. In a Twitter skirmish, the company pushed back against Senator Elizabeth Warren and other critics. And in doing so, Amazon ignited a backlash. In the context of attacks on big tech, what's the significance of Amazon speaking out and of the reactions to it? Welcome to New Idea Live, the podcast of the Ayn Rand Institute. I'm Ilan Jerno, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Ankar Gatte. Hey, Ankar. Hi, Ilan. Hi, Ilan. I thought a good place to start would be just zooming out a bit and looking at the context or the backdrops for what has happened in Amazon speaking out and then evaluate and then use that as backdrop for evaluating what Amazon's statements mean, their philosophical significance. And the first thing that leapt out at me is just we're in this atmosphere where the biggest companies on the planet, Google, Apple, Facebook, and Amazon itself are being targeted. They're being hauled into meetings and, and hearings in Congress. There are attempts to bring antitrust lawsuits against them. And there's even, even wider sort of intellectual ferment where companies like Amazon in particular, and, and, and in the pandemic uh, especially, they're not really appreciated. I mean, what are you seeing uh, on this side of things? Yes, I'd put it, I'd use Ayn Rand's term here that she talked about persecution. Um, and I think that it's what we're, we're in an atmosphere where these big tech companies are being persecuted. They're being persecuted by the government in particular, and governments, so certainly the US government, all these hearings about antitrust, about how they're deplatforming certain people and not others, and that's not legitimate, and government has to control this. So there's, and then it's, you see it certainly in the European Union as well, they're going after, for, for their version of the antitrust laws, going after these companies. So there's, incredible governmental persecution, but there's also a wider societal. I think a few years ago, it was tech companies were more admired than they are in the present moment by the by people at large. Um, and even something like an Apple, which is probably the one that gets the least criticism, is increasingly, I think, looked on unfavorably. And that's, that's a significant cultural shift. And the government is partly reflecting that, partly leading that, I think. Well, one thing that left out of me was reading about Amazon's situation is there was an article responding to some of what Amazon was saying on Twitter. And there was a, it was a discussion of Amazon's presence online. And one thing that left out of me is on this theme of Amazon in particular being underappreciated. So this article was in The Atlantic and it was written by uh, Ian Bogost. And one paragraph in particular, we were talking about this just the other day in preparation. So the, the, this is, I think, one uncontroversial uh, portrayal of Amazon. I think it's really telling. So it begins with, uh, Amazon might be the best standard bearer for the concept of an evil corporation. An evil and corporation are both capitalized as if that's a, something to really pay attention to. 
And it, it goes over Amazon's last quarter century of its existence and it's devoured online shopping, publishing music, and has done all these things and, and muscle into small businesses and neighborhoods and, and devastate mom and pop shops and, and businesses. All of this and driving its, and, and there's a whole litany of, of complaints. And all of this is, the argument implied here is, all of this is to, to bring us our stuff to the door slightly faster than anybody else. And when you read that and you actually reflect on what Amazon has been doing, it's, I don't think it's at all the right value evaluation to have. It's not devoured online shopping. It, it's created an amazing way for people to, to buy things that are far superior to what has come before. And it's revolutionized publishing. It's revolutionized music in ways that I don't think anyone imagined before. And this idea that it's only slightly faster than anybody else, I mean, I, it, it would be laughable if it were not so sad that this is how complacent and uh, unappreciated, uh, underappreciated people's view is. I mean, in some places, Amazon is delivering, is guaranteeing two-day delivery, and this is during the pandemic, and they've managed to keep their uh, supply chains really uh, well uh, running. It's just, it's a really jaundiced view of what Amazon has achieved, because I think it's a giant, and it's, it's, a, it's earned its place in the marketplace. And part of what was so glaring about this paragraph in the article, why it stood out to both of us, is the article's not arguing this. The article is about Amazon as a brand and what they're doing on Twitter now. And, and it gives this paragraph just as a characterization that, and this is a piece in The Atlantic, that most of the readers would just, if I just point this out, the readers would accept, oh yeah, that's what Amazon is. and. It's Amazon's such an enormous achievement and that this is your attitude in the face of an achievement on the scale of Amazon. And as you pointed out, in a pandemic, when people are being told and forced to stay at home and how am I going to get food? How am I going to get the stuff that is required just to run the household, let alone to be able to still work, get webcams? get uh, microphones and so on. And it mentions this as it, oh, microphones and things are, what, what's the quote? Uh, it has sold people always on microphones and cameras for home surveillance, then offered the data spoils to law enforcement. Like that is in a pandemic when, I mean, it's millions of people where all of a sudden, okay, I've got to have a setup that I can video conference from home and so on. And where do you think most of the people ordered the stuff? And does it matter that it doesn't come in two weeks, that it comes in two days? Is that like some insignificant, oh, they sped it up a little, you could have done this before Amazon. You can think of the world, and when you meet younger people, uh, before and after Amazon. Like we are old enough, both of us, to know what life was like before Amazon. And there's all kinds of values that you get from Amazon that you just couldn't get before, not it sped it up a little bit. Um, I just, just to take one of, you could take literally hundreds of things. The, um, uh, I do a little bit of home repairs and repairs of appliances and the, what it was like to hunt down spare parts before Amazon versus anything I buy now, I figure, yeah, if something goes wrong, I need a part, 
I did something recently for a dishwasher, a wheel that I needed. And it was before it was either impossible or you would spend like sometimes weeks trying to hunt down a part. And now you it's just you assume, yeah, I'll go put it on Amazon, I'll find some supplier and so and there's a, literally a hundreds and hundreds of things like that. And that's just the shop. It's not the web services that Amazon that has done. They were so much in front of seeing that the internet is the next bet, big thing and we're, go, we're going all in on it. So it's such a tremendous achievement and to, to portray it in the way that it's portrayed is criminal and it's, it's deliberate. You can't attack and tear these companies down if people think these are great achievements. So you have to portray it as, oh, well, Amazon, it's mostly evil. They did a few good things, sped up. You get your deliveries a little faster, but look at all the evil. And it's perverse. That evaluation of Amazon is perverse, but deliberate. Yeah, and I just want to underline the point you started, you mentioned, and I, I think it, it's, this was not the point of the article. This was just a throwaway in effect. It's like, I'm reminding you of some things about Amazon that we can all agree on. There's nothing that the author thinks is controversial here. And that I think speaks to a kind of climate that's building in response to Amazon. Um, I wanna to turn to one other piece of the wider context for the Amazon speaking out uh, and the tweets and so forth. And that is the, the development that's now had, uh, unfolding in Alabama, where Amazon uh, workers at an Amazon facility are have taken a vote whether to unionize. And this is something that Amazon is really strongly against. It's, it's had previous attempts to unionize, uh, to unionize, and it's resisted them, and it's taken steps to discourage unions in various uh, places over time. So, and the results haven't come out. It's, it's I think they're overdue. They're, I was checking this morning, they haven't come out and you were saying you don't think they're expected even today. So that for various reasons that they're, they're not known yet. But in the buildup to this vote, this is the trigger really for this uh, Twitter skirmish that we referred to earlier in the conversation. So what was happening is I think the, the uh, event that was going to uh, happen is that in preparation for the vote, Senator Bernie Sanders was traveling to Alabama to show his support and encourage the, the vote union uh, position. And this is where we see the very first step that uh, an Amazon uh, statement comes out. And it's actually uh, one of their senior executives, Dave Clark. And I'm not sure how to take this because a lot of people on Twitter speak for themselves rather than their, their employers. But I think there's reason to think this is actually a, a view within Amazon, so not only Dave Clark's, and I think there are other stories that come out later suggesting that there was a push from from uh, from the top to speak out more forcefully. So here's the tweet on the screen. I'll just read out the the most significant part of it. So he's welcoming uh, Bernie Bernie Sanders to Alabama uh, for and appreciates his push for a progressive workplace. And this is the key uh, part of it. Quote: I often say we Amazon are the Bernie Sanders of employers, but that's not quite right because we actually deliver a progressive workplace for our constituents, end quote. And he goes on to mention a $15 minimum wage, healthcare, career progression, inclusive workplace environment. And this was enough to really ruffle feathers and, and cause grief. And there were a few other tweets that Dave Clark put out 
so in connection with this, so that was one element of the reaction, one element of what Amazon did, which is to say, okay, but uh, sort of challenging Bernie Sanders, that's not what caught my attention. Uh, what caught my attention is the next thing that happened, which was uh, an official Amazon account, I think it's called Amazon News, uh, responded to statements from Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren was on a tirade, a uh, Twitter tirade, once again, on themes that she said before. So this was not a new statement from her, uh, vowing to go after Amazon to make sure they pay their taxes. She made claims that they do not pay their fair share, whatever that looks like. And uh, in one of the statements she put out, she said, I, and I will continue the fight to break up Amazon so that you cannot come after uh, senators with snotty tweets. So a very snarky uh, statement from a US senator. So the Amazon account, responds to that, and we're showing this on the screen, and this is the statement that really struck me. Quote, this is extraordinary and revealing. One of the most powerful politicians in the United States just said she's going to break up an American company so that they can't criticize her anymore, end quote. There were a few other tweets from this account uh, around the same time, and the, the, the effect of these were, in a, were we're not going to take this. We're, we're going to challenge you, Elizabeth Warren, and other, other people. There was another exchange with, I think, a, a U.S. representative uh, who was criticizing Amazon. So the, the accumulation of these various tweets from Dave Clark, from the Amazon account, uh, they sort of blew up and went, they got a lot of attention in uh, recent days. And so I have a lot of thoughts about these tweets. I know you do too, but do you want to get into that or should we talk a little bit about some of the reactions as well? Because I think it's relevant to the theme that has come up with both the persecution of Amazon and, and large companies and specifically the, the taking them for granted in their achievement. But let me know what you think. I think let's say a word about why it caught our attention as well. So it's not just, oh, well, people are, uh, this is sort of trending so then it, that's what caught our attention. It's the content of it. So let's say a little bit about it. We'll come back to say more about it. But I think it explains the reaction to it. Because part of the reaction is, this is weird. This is strange. I haven't seen this before. And there is something for sure that they one hasn't seen very often. And I put it as there's a moral tone to the tweets and a moral backbone. That doesn't mean that I think everything is good in what the tweets say and the way Amazon's approaching it. But when you put it, they're standing up for themselves and they're standing up morally. What the tweets project is, we're better than you, Sanders and Warren. And that's true. Like in the broad context, Amazon's a producer. There's no evidence that Amazon is interested in getting the government favors and so on. And basically the tech industry, when the government left them alone, they left Washington alone. They just wanna thrive by what they create, not by government favors and handouts and so on. So, and it projects that confidence that it is, you're criticizing us, we're better than you. What? And um, that kind of backbone from an American corporation and uh, like a big American corporation, when's the last time you've seen that? 
Yeah, I agree that that was part of the reaction I had because I was seeing people criticize Amazon. So I investigated what has Amazon done that all these people are upset about. And I, when I saw it, I thought, wait a minute, we should be cheering this. This is such an unusual turn of events. And the, one point of, of emphasis is that when you think about how major companies represent themselves publicly and, on, and particularly on social media, they try to cultivate a certain friendliness and uh, un, you know, impossible to offend anybody. And so with the article in the Atlantic that we were talking about earlier was looking at different ways companies represent themselves. So if you look at Walmart, another major company, what, how do they present themselves on social media? And it's, it's, you know, we have a sale and this is cool. Take a moment, enjoy your day. And it's all very bland and, and, and anodyne. And so when this, when, when Amazon's saying, hold on a second, you, we're not going to let you do this. Just, we're going to call you out. It, it, that really, uh, I found it encouraging. And, and maybe my reaction was uh, excessive because when I looked a bit more into what the tweets were doing, I think that there's, there's things to criticize. But overall, I was very impressed for the reasons you mentioned. I think there, there is that moral tone to it, which is, you know, it, it just step back from social media even, the, the only other places you see a moral tone is when companies are sort of bowing to pressure or um, behaving as if they think we have to say this because everyone's saying this. And we, this came up in other contexts and we will circle back to this. When there's a conventional view that everyone has to nod along with and, and so you see that kind of thing, but it, it often seems dutiful and sometimes I don't know, performative. I'm not sure it's always sincere, but this was different. This was Amazon speaking for itself with a real confidence and in opposition to what most people think. Like I think most people think, yeah, Amazon should be broken up or a lot of people do. Uh, so this is, it's that element of going against the grain as opposed to a lot of corporations will um, me too, or kind of agree to various kind of conventional views, but this is this is part of what stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's part of the wider context now is what's happening with Georgia and the corporations there, and the kind of Republican Party is saying things like, uh, "We fly." I watched Mitch McConnell, for instance. We fly. We Republicans fly Delta too. We drink Coca-Cola. We watch baseball. So is it really you're going to side against us and so on? But if you think about Amazon, how many of their customers support Bernie Sanders? How many support Elizabeth Warren? And they were willing to say, I don't care if you guys support these people. What they're doing is really bad. And we're going to stand against that. That's pretty courageous to do. So... I think it's worth saying a little about the reactions to it and uh, just a few uh, of the things I, I noticed at the time. One of them was that the, the tweets from the official Amazon account stood out in such a way that there was a story about one engineer that is responsible for uh, security of Amazon's online properties filed a report internally saying, is, has our account actually been hijacked? This looks so, so unusual. Uh, such a, you know, a new, an unaccustomed message from our sort of main brand account. And I think that that just underlines how 
different this kind of statement was in, in today's climate. Uh, and I think the, the other element that came out was some more of this snide, taking for granted or persecutorial perspective on Amazon. So some, I was really surprised that the, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was surprised that the, the tweets from Amazon were, were likened to the kind of things we've seen from President Trump. And he was famous for you know, being intemperate on, on Twitter and saying all kinds of uh, things that alarm people. So that really was, I think, a low point in terms of evaluating Amazon's position. There was a, a, an op-ed or a column, I guess, in the New York Times that um, characterized Amazon as uh, a tr having a Trumpian style on its Twitter account. And that, that really, really was obnoxious, I think, in terms of how there's nothing, I don't see how you could put them in the same moral category or even characterize them in the same way. Particularly the Elizabeth Warren tweet, which I think is the one that has generated the most coverage and I think would be the one that the engineer would say, what the hell is this? We never say this. Nobody ever says this. Um, and the character, her characterization of it as a snotty tweet, um, the tweet's exactly right. It is, Amazon is caught in a pincer movement. Um, it, two trends that Ayn Rand, when she was still alive, war, was warning about in terms of growing government power. It's the use of antitrust to punish and to make the best companies tow the government line under threat, we're going to break you up or completely destroy you, or we're gonna certainly cripple you if you step out of line. And she was very concerned about government growing encroachment on freedom of speech. And now the pincer movement is using antitrust to go after the biggest companies now or social media companies or companies that in the information age deal with the dissemination of information. And so to use antitrust against them and to be threatening them is to threaten freedom of speech in the country. And that at the Amazon would name the connection between it, that it's, it's you're, threatened, you're using antitrust to threaten us that we no longer have the right to freedom of speech. And to characterize that as a snotty tweet, I mean, it's a deliberate characterization because the veil of that they're after the public interest and so on was is lifted by that kind of tweet is what you're after is incredible amount of power. And um, if people can't see that, that this is not trolling Elizabeth Warren, this is the stark reality of what these companies are facing. Um, the people aren't thinking if that's if your reaction is like this is Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, I definitely saw headlines characterizing this as uh, Amazon's bizarre trolling strategy on social media, which I, I agree is it, nothing like what's going on. Uh, I want to say something about the the tweet from the, the the comments from Dave Clark, the senior Amazon executive, because those I, I don't have a strong a positive perspective on those because what is he saying in effect? He is saying we're outdoing Bernie Sanders 
in, in advancing his agenda, in effect. And he should cut, and it's, the criticism is Bernie Sanders isn't serious about these pro, so-called progressive ideas, but we are, and he, he should live up to them as well as we should. And I mean, it, maybe, maybe he actually thinks those are good things to be doing in business. I don't have that view, uh, but it, it's, it's a real concession. And I think, it, I, don't, I don't know what's going on within Amazon or, or at all why they're doing this. I can speculate and we can have hypotheses about this, but it's, it, I think part of that is it's really dangerous to concede these premises and then say, well, we're actually living up to this and you're not, because the, the, this goes to something that I, I think, I hope we can get to, which is Ayn Rand's analysis of how principles play out in human relationships and in society, and then what happens in different scenarios of when those principles are compromised in various ways. And there's, there's a lot of interesting things to say there. I think, yeah, so I, I have the same reaction as you to the 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 best of the tweets is the Elizabeth Warren and calling out that her use of antitrust to violate people's freedom of speech on Amazon and freedom of speech. But the threat is like we could I could use this threat against any company that's critiquing me that it's well, watch out because I have the power of antitrust and I can break you guys up. Um, there, and that's a moral tone, but it's a moral tone that's at least implicitly, and it would be good, And but I doubt it's the case if Amazon and its leaders understood in more explicit principle terms what they're challenging, but they're challenging the framework. So it's not, um, uh, some of what they tweet is accepts the framework and says, yeah, we live up to it more than you guys do. So that with Bernie Sanders, we already pay a $15 minimum wage. And they tweeted about Vermont doesn't have a 15 hour a dollar minimum wage. It has $11 and we're already beyond that. That acknowledges, oh yeah, government should be able to set what wages are and what's a minimum wage and so on. And Bernie Sanders has been hopeless at it. So why are you, you should like us better because we pay up. Yeah, but you voluntarily pay a higher wage. You're not forcing it on everybody. It's, you're not saying every company has to pay this wage. It's part of what you think is a competitive advantage for Amazon. But a restaurant that can't pay someone $15 a minimum wage but still needs a wait staff or whatever, it's, you're not forcing them to do it. Bernie Sanders would force them and put things out of business. And so they're not challenging that framework. But the tweet about antitrust is at least implicitly saying, there's something wrong that you have this power that you can break us up. And then you're gonna wield it. You don't like what we're saying, so you're gonna break us up. But it could be all kinds. Like, I, I don't like the way um, you're running some other aspect of your business, so I'm gonna break you up. It's, so there, it, there's more that they're questioning the premise. And that is when you do that morally, that's startling for a, a, an American company to do, but not all the tweets do that. Yeah, I, I I think that's right. The I guess I'm I'm sort of describing my experience because I, I was very excited to see some of the tweets and then I saw the other ones and I thought this is not as good. <laughs> so I was I, I and I, I know part of this is it doesn't seem that well coordinated. I mean I I've read stories that 
there was pressure from Jeff Bezos saying, why aren't we standing up for ourselves more? And, and that led to some of this, presumably on the official account. I don't know if it led to what Dave Clark was saying in his tweets. But I, to me, there's, there's real hope here. If a company as large as Amazon and as besieged as Amazon can do this, which is not that much, it's a few tweets. I mean, we've been talking about tweets for half an hour now and they're 140 characters, 240, 280 characters each and max. So, but, but I think they're really significant philosophically because what comes, what led to them, that, that sense of self-esteem in effect, that we're, we, we deserve our position. I mean, that's part of what would be needed here. And the, the small the modicum of hope I have is that if, if Amazon can bring itself to do this once, it would, you know, maybe this is a step in the right direction. Maybe they can do more. And, and um, so I guess that the, this brings up the question, well, what would it really look like? What would it, what would it be to effectively stand up morally for this? Because I, I think it's not enough what they've done. And I think they, in, in one instance, they actually apologize for a tweet concerning the conditions of their employees and whether they have to um, there's this whole uh, debate about our Amazon employees struggling to find restrooms and having to urinate in bottles and things like that. And someone called them on it and they had to apologize because there are cases like that, uh, which, is, which is something we can talk about. But that I don't think they apologize for what they said regarding Elizabeth Warren. And I think that still stands and that's significant to me. Uh, so what do you think would it look like to for Amazon or for other companies like them who are now facing this kind of persecution to stand up for themselves. Yeah, I, I we should talk about that apology because I thought the apology was appropriate. Um, some of the other tweets about what we were just talking about minimum wage and things like that, I, I think are they concede the whole case, even though Amazon doesn't understand, I think that they're conceding the whole case. But what it would take for Amazon and other companies to stand up for themselves is that at least two things. And uh, I've, I have a short lecture or talk on this, um, and there's more elements to this, and we'll point people at the end of the podcast to that where they can hear more. But two things, both of which are... Um, implicit in Amazon's tweet about Elizabeth Warren and somewhat explicit, but th they would need to understand the principles involved in these two. So one is to confidently project that what we do is good. It's not just okay. It's not just your brandiness of evil. We're not evil. It's we're good. And if you're attacking us because we're good, which is what Warren and Sanders, and unfortunately also many Republicans are doing in a different, but very, but in a superficially different, but very fundamentally very similar way. They're attacking the social media companies because they're good. And it would be, we're good. You're attacking us because we're good. There's something very perverse in that. So that the one element is they have to project to the world, our evaluation of ourselves is we're good. We have self-esteem. If you're, you're trying to make us think we're um, evil or maybe if not evil, but pretty bad, and you're trying to have us bow our heads 
or put our tail between our legs to use a different metaphor. And it's, no, we're not going to do that. Your evaluation of us and what you're trying to make our self-evaluation, that we look at ourselves like this, is fundamentally wrong. And every movement that stands up for itself, if you look in American history, if you look at um, uh, the abolition movement, the women's suffrage movement, and so part of what they project, and it's essential, is you view us as we're some kind of inferiors because we're black or because we're women. And it's, we reject that evaluation. We're your equal. Um, if you remember in the civil rights movement, one of the most powerful signs is when there were black and colored people with a sign that just said, I am a man. And that is right. Like that is, you're telling us we're lesser human beings. We reject that. So that's the first, it would be, we're good. And then it would be to expose what so often happens behind closed doors about how these companies are persecuted precisely because they're good. And that's what the tweet does. It does, it's uh, Warren saying, I wanna take away your power so you can't criticize me. Um, and how many times do you think companies face that kind of threat that we don't hear about? Here she did it in the open. How many times between closed doors, do, and not just Warren, all the regulators, that is the people who think it's a job to control the productive activities of business. Um, that's not a job, that's the destruction of values. But the, all these people in these alphabet soup of government agencies, if companies would expose what happens in private, would it expose it to the light of day in the context of saying we're good and this is how we're being treated? By the, that would, that's how you would win this battle. I think that, that's the essence of what companies would need to do. And that's what the tweet evokes. But you, as you said, like there's an element of randomness and I think anger from Amazon and probably some, if, it, if it's true that Bezos is telling them that you've got to do something, this sort of a panicked, quick reaction. So, and some is along the right lines and a lot of it isn't. But there's clearly no strategy and no really abstract perspective of this is what it would look like to approach this properly. I think the other element when we were talking about this before the podcast that I think is worth bringing out that there's an important part of what Amazon or any company facing this needs to do, as you've described it. And I think there there needs to be. I think not to use a word that's become heavily laden with, with meaning, but just in its, in its simple terms, solidarity or, or support or standing alongside. And I think this is where there is a role for people who are not in Amazon, just the people in the public, people who buy from Amazon, people who use uh, Google or, or Facebook or whichever of these companies is facing persecution for them to say and to speak their view that no we agree we don't think this is the right way to view amazon this is not the right evaluation in fact it's the opposite it's a huge benefit to my life i'm happy to pay uh, amazon prime's fees every year to get that service and, and all the other things i spend at amazon or, or whichever company it happens to be and then to to acknowledge that the statements coming out of a company when it is standing up for itself are actually yeah we agree with this that we are not going to stand by and let someone like Elizabeth Warren 
wield this government power to break up a company. And just on that issue of, we, 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 this has come up a few times in the conversation, break up a company. That, that term is just so uh, drained of moral significance. It's like, yeah, I'm going to break up an egg or I'm going to break up some crackers. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but what you're actually doing, what, what, she, what she's threatening to do, and she and others are threatening to do, is to destroy, to, to, to disintegrate an amazing achievement that takes countless hours and thought and continual effort to improve and keep integrated. So a huge corporation like Amazon is an amazing achievement to keep it running and running well and to, to, for it to compete, outcompete so many others in so many markets. What, to, what breaking up means is to inject government force and to say, whatever business decisions you think you should be doing, forget it. We're going to make these decisions. We're going to dismantle the organization. We're going to disintegrate the different parts. We're going to decide which are business units that need to be on their own, which you can own and what you, and how it's going to look. We're going to design it from the inside. And that is a massive injection of force. And it, it's destructive at every step. There is no way to do it without basically putting a torch to an, an amazing achievement and real value that's just going to go away. I mean, there's so many ways in which um, I mean, the, the example for this is uh, Microsoft wasn't broken up. It was just not just, but it was caught up in the machinery of antitrust uh, prosecution for many, many years. And just that was enough to really hamper the company's, I think, ingenuity and productivity. And I think they, I imagine they lost really good people who said, this is not the kind of place I came to work at. I mean, you, it's harder to attract the kind of talent when you have the, the, um, trammels that government regulation imposes. And then, and then just to broaden the context of it, think of companies that were broken up in the past. And it, it really, I mean, it, it's, it's a really significant thing to be talking about. It's not just this minor thing we're going to do. It's, it's a colossal, colossal expansion of government power and injection of it into a private company owned by the various stockholders and, and destroying a lot of the value that they have. Yeah, you brought up the break your eggs as a as a benign metaphor. It reminds me that that's what they said about communism. It is, yeah, you have to break some eggs to make an omelet. And of course, we love omelets. So yeah, isn't that a small price to pay? And what it meant is you have to murder individuals in order to get your supposedly, uh, you, your supposed utopia. If you want a metaphor for what it means breaking up, it's, and that you're, aimed at the most successful companies because they're successful. It's like you went to the top surgeon and said, look, you're too good. I'm going to break your left hand so you can only operate with one hand and now people can compete with you. That's what they're doing. And it, they think this is a legitimate use of power. But what the Warren thing really puts to the fore is she knows it's not a legitimate use of power. She knows this is a club I have that I can hit people over the head with in order to keep them in line. And that's part of what's significant about this and that Amazon exposing this, that it is, this is not someone who thinks antitrust achieves something good. This is someone who thinks antitrust gives me power to keep people in line. And in line means doing my bidding. So, 
I just want to circle back to something that came up a little earlier. I mentioned the exchange that Amazon had with some of the particular representative and then other critics about this issue of its workers in various whether delivery drivers or, or warehouses who don't have feel like they don't have time to use the restroom and then they end up using uh, bottles to to urinate and so on and there's uh so that's the issue that amazon uh apologized for because it, it took up a statement from this senate this representative and said do you really think this happens you really believe this if this happened why would people work for us and it turns out that this is a, a problem that Amazon uh, employees, some of them face, but it's not only Amazon employees, which is one of the interesting things that like if you think about people who drive all day, whether it's an Uber or a truck, particularly in the pandemic where public restrooms or even restrooms and restaurants are often closed, it, it's just probably a harder thing to deal with. Uh, but you, you, you said that you thought the apology was appropriate. Say more about that. Well, so I think there was an element of I don't know the right way to put it, sort of randomness, chaos in Amazon's social media non-strategy. Um, so it was, they're pushing back, they're pushing back on some legitimate things in an illegitimate way. So towards Bernie Sanders and unions, I think it's completely legitimate that they're pushing back. It's not that unions should be outlawed or illegal. But the law as it exists today gives undeserved power to unions when you form a union inside a company so that companies would be scared of this and be trying to prevent employees from doing it. It's understandable because the law is bad in regard to unions, not unions should be outlawed, but unions shouldn't have the kind of power that they're granted under the law. So it's legitimate to push back on that. It's not legitimate, I think, in the way that Amazon did, because it's conceding way too much, and we can talk more about that. But they also just pushed back on things that are false. And to acknowledge that, yeah, okay, what we said was false. And we're they put it something like, this is our own goal. That is, we scored on ourselves. We're supposed to be, if you're using the sports metaphor, we're supposed to be scoring on the opposing team. And this is a self-inflicted wound or a goal we scored on ourselves. And just to openly acknowledge that, and then and they pointed out, which if people know about the industry, is this kind of issue is not unique to us. It's all these delivery services. Um, and as you said, truck drivers have this when they're on long haul um, uh, routes. And we're going to do what we can to um, address this. It is not the biggest problem in the world. Um, and it's th these drivers know this. They still drive for Amazon. And there's a reason that they do. So I thought it was, it acknowledged that, yeah, what we said was false and that's on us, but it didn't, they didn't sort of backtrack on everything. That's what you, you pointed out before. Like they didn't backtrack on their criticisms of Sanders or of Warren. And I think that is legitimate because most companies, what it would have been the moment they realized, oh yeah, something we said was false. It would be because there's so much pressure on them to think we're bad, we should feel guilty. It would be to start backtracking on everything. Okay, maybe we shouldn't have spoken, maybe we shouldn't. And Amazon didn't do that. And I think that shows the respect for the actual facts, and yet we still think our stand is right. And I think they're right about that. I wanted to pick up on something you said. So you characterized their reaction to the Bernie Sanders position, the unionization as 
they're conceding something important and they shouldn't be there. There's this whole idea of a moral framework that they're giving up. I wanted to dig in, into that a bit because I think that's, that is a major risk for any company that is going to speak up for itself. Because I'm sure this is not going to be limited to Amazon and the big uh, social media companies or Apple. That there's an, I mean, one way to put it is it's too easy to accept the conventional terms and then insist that you're living up to them, which is part of what sort of the Amazon reaction was on that issue with the minimum wage and the progressive workplace. And, and that's not a good response because what you're doing is you're in fact advancing ideas that are probably harmful to your business. Because my view is Amazon should decide on its own what terms it wants in its workplace and then attract people who want those terms and share them and negotiate when they don't agree, but have workplace conditions that they want. So, I mean, a brand called The Anatomy of Compromise, which I mentioned earlier, that I think speaks to this issue of there is a real danger in conceding a basic premise or basic principle when you're trying in some human relationship or in a conflict. Um, I mean, I think part of the issue is you're really advancing the opposite views that you should be and you're, you're helping your opponents. I mean, that's a simple way to, to frame it. Uh, does that resonate? If you concede that it's the government's job and responsibility and but saying like we pay more than what people in Vermont make under Bernie Sanders and that principle is anti-business and it's anti-freedom, it's anti the corporation and the employees. As an employee or an employer, it's we government say, no, you're not allowed to hire someone below $15 uh, an hour. And as an employee, you're not allowed to put your services out there if you're only demanding $10 an hour. And when people are starting off um, and they don't have any skills, that they would want to work for uh, five dollars or ten dollars an hour. I mean, it's a common phenomenon to work for free now to do a free, unpaid internship. Oh, but yeah, but Bernie Sanders not very effective at doing this. It's you're in opening the door. Okay, so we need someone more effective. Maybe Elizabeth Warren can do it more effectively than Bernie. I thought you were trying to fight Elizabeth Warren. Uh, so I'm just going to suggest that we wrap up now, and and uh, I think maybe we'll come back to this issue as it develops. And uh, as we get questions, we can bring those in another time, but I'm sure this is a developing issue. So uh, just a quick, uh, brief final thought for me, and then maybe you can share yours. Mine is that I think there's a real positive here in Amazon's, some of what Amazon was doing, and I wish more thought out, more strategic, and more philosophically astute, more, about what it is that Amazon is conceding and what it should be challenging. Because I think there's some good, uh, some problems in what it's doing. You've been listening to New Ideal, a podcast from the Ayn Rand Institute. If you like what you hear, leave us a review, share with a friend, and subscribe to our other podcasts. This podcast was made possible by donors to the Ayn Rand Institute. Help support this podcast by becoming an ARI member. 
go to aynrand.org forward slash membership.